0: Broken people's greatest expectation is to be whole again, and that wholeness is only realized in Jesus's authority to forgive our sin. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we turn to this very familiar passage of scripture, as the Lord Jesus is confronted with a very broken man, show us, O Lord, the greatness of of Jesus' healing of this broken paralytic. And help us to see that healing is for us today. Lord be glorified, guard my mouth, the words I speak, may they be true and pleasing to you. May we hear faithfully your word proclaimed. May we hear the Lord Jesus proclaimed. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The plot of Charles Dickens' 30th novel, which is Great Expectations, centers on Rip, an orphan boy who is taken in by a sister and her husband who is a blacksmith. He falls in love with a young girl herself, Stella, and he dreams of becoming a wealthy gentleman to be worthy of Stella. An anonymous benefactor, as the story unfolds, provides a large sum of money for Pip to go to London with the great expectation of being educated as a gentleman. As the story unfolds, Pip's Great expectation takes a very unexpected turn. In our text today, we find the great expectations of four friends of this paralytic taking an unexpected turn. We'll look at four things this morning. You'll you'll find them In your sermon outline, the preaching of the word by Jesus, the unexpected pronouncement by Jesus, the silent opposition against Jesus, and the exalted authority of Jesus, the Son of Man. First, Jesus preached the word of God, he preached about the kingdom of God coming and being realized in him. Uh, Jesus preached about himself. Verses 1 and 2. You have come to worship today expecting to hear a sermon and I came to worship today expecting to deliver a sermon and so we will have our expectations realized today and my hope is that even more our expectation is to hear of Jesus and my hope is that will be realized as well. Last week, we looked at, at Jesus' priorities of prayer, preaching, and pity. And you may remember after healing the, casting out the demon-possessed man and healing Peter's mother-in-law, and then after the Sabbath had ended that evening, just many, many people were brought to him, and he continued into the even, evening healing sicknesses and casting out... And the next morning, our Lord got up early and he went to an isolated, desolate place to spend time in prayer with his heavenly father. And then Simon, looking for Jesus, came and said, finally found him and said, Lord, there are many people looking for you that are in need of of healing. And Jesus' response was, let's leave Capernaum and go throughout Galilee preaching. Prayer was a priority, and preaching was a priority. And today we find Jesus in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2, preaching the kingdom of God. You came to hear a sermon. I doubt that those people came to that house, as Jesus is now back in Capernaum, to hear a sermon, but they sure got one. In today's passage, our Lord was in Capernaum after having preached throughout Galilee, and he was at home, the text says. We can only assume that the home was Peter's home, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. But Peter was, or Jesus was in a house, and great crowd had gathered together. Now, some have estimated With regards to the size of homes in in that day, there may have been as many as 50 people crammed in this particular house. But notice what the text says. There were not only people crammed in, there was no more room inside that house. But there were people out listening in, out in the doorway, the entryway, the, the courtyard, whatever the case was, listening as Jesus preached. A large crowd had gathered there was no more room and it seems to be even to stand outside and hear Jesus well why did so many people gather to hear a sermon I maybe but I tend to think they didn't gather to hear a sermon in fact they may have been surprised to hear a sermon I think they gathered to see a miracle remember back in chapter 1 and verse 28 That after the miracles that Jesus had performed already in the Gospel of Mark, his fame had spread and people were seeking him out, coming from all over, looking for him. Wanting this miracle worker to heal them or wanting to actually be entertained a little bit and see a really cool miracle take place. What they received was unexpected, I think. A sermon. We have no idea the text from which Jesus preached. We know that in Luke 4, he used Isaiah 61. Could he have preached in Isaiah 35 that that Brandon read earlier? I don't know, maybe, but this is what I can say, is that the theme of Jesus' sermon, what he was called to do is given to us in verses 14 and 15 of Mark 1, that after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was preaching that day in Capernaum at that home with an overflow crowd the fact that the kingdom was at hand, the kingdom was near. He inaugurated the kingdom. The kingdom had come already in him. And he was preaching about the fact that the kingdom of God came to overturn the effects of the fall by forgiving the sins of God's people and making them whole, restoring them, and even restoring creation. A promise that we see given even in the New Testament in texts like Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 35. Just to remind us a little bit about Isaiah 35 as we have chosen that for an Old Testament passage, because I believe that that Jesus' preaching ministry was was declaring that the kingdom of God had come already, not yet, right, it'll come in full consummation, but it had come already, and the kingdom of darkness was being pushed back. The effects of the fall were being pushed back, the effects of the fall that ravaged the the heart of men and women was being pushed back by forgiveness. And in light of the kingdom of God coming near, the light of the kingdom of God breaking forth, what is the appropriate response? I need to be forgiven. How is one forgiven repent and believe in Jesus? But Isaiah 35 so beautifully reminds us of of this restoration that is going to be taking place because of the kingdom of God breaking forth and pushing back the darkness, pushing back the fall. The lame will walk and the blind will see. There will be joy in the wilderness. A highway of righteousness will be made through the desert. The redeemed shall walk there. No ravenous beast shall be there. The ransom of the Lord shall return to Zion. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Isaiah 35 paints this picture of restoration and wholeness, of the effects of the fall being overturned, God's people being redeemed and restored. and the kingdom had already come. And passages like Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61, and many others in the Old Testament, are just remind us of the fact that the kingdom had broken forth in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's second coming, the kingdom will come in full. Again, I'm not suggesting Jesus preached out of Isaiah 35. My point is what Jesus was called to declare, the kingdom of God coming in him, redemption and restoration of God's people and creation, that all who repent and Believe in him. Their sins will be forgiven. The effects of the fall will be pushed back in their hearts. They'll be brought in to the kingdom. One for us to consider. Jesus preached the word. And in so doing, Jesus was preaching his saving work. Such should be the case for our preaching here at Covenant to exalt Christ and His saving work and to call all to repent and believe. May Derek and I, may our elders, may our deacons, may all of us be given to preaching Christ and Him crucified. And Then secondly, Jesus Pronounced something that was very much unexpected. Maybe some of you remember the, the events surrounding Mike Fenema, our brother pastor who served at Trinity PCA in Sherwood. Mike was paralyzed in a biking accident several years ago. Now the Fenemas have been very open about sharing about their journey and their difficulties. And many of us who have who knew Mike and who also have been keeping up with, with his progress. You know, I've just been reminded of how difficult it is to suffer such an injury, even with all of the resources that are available today. And God's blessing, Mike and his family. But as difficult as it is to live in our day, with a physical handicap even more in the ancient world where there were few of any resources. As we look at verses 3 through 6, we we have to pity this paralytic. Maybe the only resource, he we don't even know if he had a family. And so maybe the only resource he had, which is a great resource, were these four friends and his ability to beg. The extent of the paralytic's paralysis is not given. We can only assume that he was completely paralyzed or significant paralyzed because he had to be carried, presumably, on a litter of some sort. He had a bed. He had to be brought to Jesus. He lived a dependent lifestyle. He was dependent on others for practically everything. He may have felt shame because of people looking at him thinking, Oh, that guy... Either his parents had sinned, which God is punishing him because of this lameness, or he himself sinned, is being punished by God. But likely there was shame. His life was difficult. It was a bleak existence. We don't know the extent of the relationship between these, these four friends and this paralytic, but their actions sure demonstrate brotherly love and sympathy and compassion for the paralytic. And so we have to appreciate that. But then the question becomes, what expectation do these four friends and this paralytic have as they encounter Jesus? As we said earlier, Jesus' reputation as a miracle worker was clearly known to them. Proof of them is the extreme measures they took to orchestrate their friend... Right in front, or at least close by Jesus, as was common in this day, there was a stairway outside of most homes that went to the roof. The roofs were made out of uh, a kind of a thatched roof, mud, and could easily be cut away and repaired. If this was peter's home, i don 't know if Peter was a little upset with him after the fact or not, after cutting a hole in <laughs> in their roof um, With our recent roof job over here at the fellowship hall, we know (laughs) how expensive it can be and how problematic it can be when you're dealing with a a roof with a hole in it. But we have to appreciate their ingenuity and their commitment to devise this, this plan to be able to lower their friend in close proximity to Jesus and likely... All kinds of things might happen in worship that might distract Derek or myself. But, I mean, this was something that would be hard not to miss. this guy coming down from the ceiling there in a crowded room. If they were not there expecting Jesus to heal this paralytic, then why go to all those measures to put this man in great need right now? Before Jesus. It's interesting that, unlike the leper in our previous passage, where the leper humbles himself before the Lord and begs Jesus to heal him. I know you can heal me, Lord, but if you will, no request is made to our knowledge of Jesus by these five men. But Jesus did the unexpected in this man's life. He responded to the obvious faith, presumably. Not only the faith of the four friends, but the faith of the paralytic through their faith or trust in Jesus, he met this man's greatest need for healing the healing of a sinful heart, a, sinful heart, a guilty heart. And he pronounced to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Mark doesn't give the reaction of the paralytic, doesn't give the reaction of the four friends, or really, the crowd, and we only have to assume, were they disappointed? Did they think Jesus had not read the room well enough? I mean, Jesus, the the guy is on a stretcher. He can't walk, and here you are forgiving him. What about this man's greatest need to get up and walk, able to walk out of this place with his own legs and to care for himself? Jesus did Are you a fake? Can you not heal? Maybe that was it. Or or are you just simply cruel, Jesus, that this man, who has an obvious need. You just simply gloss over them and you say, you're forgiven. Did Jesus meet this man's need? By pronouncing the paralytic forgiven, Jesus not only met his need, but his greatest need in the greatest way. Healing and forgiveness are related in the Scriptures. Sometimes healing is conditioned upon forgiveness. Probably the most well-known passage would be 2 Chronicles seven fourteen: if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Other times, healing and forgiveness are used interchangeably. In Psalm 41:4, as for me, I said, "O oh Lord, be gracious to me, heal me, for I've sinned against you." Healing is equated here with forgiveness. <clears throat> when we consider that that all physical maladies, sickness, disease, blindness lameness, demon possessions, death itself are all consequences of sin coming into the world through Adam. Something terribly went wrong in Genesis chapter 3. And sin has marred everything, even creation itself struggles. And every healing that Jesus performed, every demon that Jesus cast out was a sign that The kingdom of God had come in him and that indeed the effects of the fall and darkness were being pushed back. The greater pushing back of the fall, the greater overturning of sin coming into the world is healing through forgiveness. Dr. Lane writes, Jesus' pronouncement of pardon is the recognition that man can be genuinely whole only when the breach occasioned by sin has been healed through God's forgiveness of sins. I mean, the, the unexpected pronouncement of forgiveness was the greater healing and should have been the greater expectation. It meant freedom from bondage to sin. It meant pardon from the guilt of sin. It meant that the kingdom of God truly was breaking forth in Jesus Christ, that the effects of the fall were being pushed back, that the saving rule of God had come. It meant the effects of the fall were pushed back in this man's heart. Things like this, a physical handicap will not keep a person out of heaven, but lack of forgiveness will. Dear friend, this healing through forgiveness is offered To you and me today. The nearness of the kingdom in Christ calls for repentance and faith. And through that faith, healing through forgiveness. Come to Jesus, the saved and the unsaved. Come in faith. Come trusting him. Come in all of our brokenness. And hear him say, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. The greatest healing that has eternal consequences is the healing of forgiveness. Would you avail yourself of that healing that Jesus offers all who repentantly? In him. Third, Jesus' pronouncement showed the spiritual blindness of the scribes, for they opposed Jesus, and notice how they opposed Jesus, with a deafening silence, verses 6 through 9. This account of Jesus is the first of five episodes of opposition that we'll find in chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3. Opposition was from the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders was a major part of Jesus' ministry. He was being opposed and will be opposed throughout his ministry. The radical nature of the kingdom breaking forth in Christ provoked the religious leaders of the Jews to double down on a scheme of opposing him. But even more than that, a scheme that would eventually result in his death. Wait till he gets to Jerusalem. We should not be surprised then when the scribes here, in this particular episode, early in Jesus' ministry, these legal experts in the law opposed Jesus. The scribes did not do so verbally, but they they accused Jesus in their thoughts and their hearts with blasphemy. And and what was the issue here? Because to, to forgive sin was something that only God could do, and in effect... The scribes were right here. By Jesus pronouncing forgiveness on this paralytic, Jesus was claiming to be divine, to be God. Well, why do they not speak? I have no idea. Maybe they felt like they didn't have a strong enough case. Maybe they didn't want the crowd to turn against them on this very popular figure of the day. And they really didn't have to say anything because Jesus perceived it by the power of the Spirit exactly what they were thinking and he challenged them, as Jesus often did. He would challenge with a question, and he challenged with a question here. He said this in verses 8 and 9. Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And what Jesus is doing is arguing that. My authority to heal, Jesus would say, my authority to heal physically, that is a visible and there. Verifiable act validates my authority to forgive his sins, which is something much greater, but it's inward and not visible and verifiable. And Jesus' point here is forgiveness is essential. Forgiveness is harder of the two, something only God can do. And the fact that we are forgiveness, let us not forget meant Jesus offered up himself on the cross for our forgiveness. Indeed, Jesus was claiming to be God, truly divine. He had the authority to forgive sins, a greater miracle, and a greater healing than the paralytic perhaps expected or could ever have imagined. And sadly, the scribes represent those who were spiritually blind to the realities of the kingdom breaking forth in Jesus, blind to Christ and his right and power and authority to forgive sins. They were, they were not only blind to who Jesus was, they were blind to their own need of Jesus. They were blind to the fact that they are as needy as that paralytic for forgiveness. They needed the greater healing. Now, let me ask this question. What about us today? Are some here spiritually blind, like those scribes, Jesus' right power and authority to grant forgiveness? Are some here today blinded to their own need to be forgiven of sin like that paralytic? Maybe we look down at the paralytic and we say, oh my And yet, we're blind to the fact that we are the paralytic, broken, in need of healing. Not of our arms and legs, but of our hearts. Jesus came preaching, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe. And the question that needs to be asked is this, are you blind and deaf? to the realities of the kingdom being near to you right now in the Christ of Scripture. Don't be silent like the scribes. Cry out to Jesus to remove the spiritual blindness, to heal the lameness so you can run to Him in faith and find full forgiveness and wholeness in his true healing. Would you consider that today? And then fourthly, Jesus demonstrated his exalted authority as the Son of Man to heal not only physically, but more to forgive sins and to make a person whole. Look at verses 10 through 11. These, these verses are really rather central to understanding the passage but that you may know jesus said that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic i say to you rise pick up your bed and go home and the man rose he picked up his bed and he went out before them all look at verse 12 no longer would he be carried on his bed but he carried the bed what a radical change had taken place What a transformation had taken place. But it wasn't primarily that he could now walk. It wasn't primarily that he could walk home, but that he could walk through the gates of heaven in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the extent and radical nature of this healing that this man received. And the crowd was amazed. They glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. The paralytic's healing, again, served as a sign of the kingdom of God breaking forth in Jesus, the Son of Man. That the fall was being pushed back. Darkness was being pushed back. Sin was being back. Though not in, yet in full, but already and in full in the day to come. It's interesting that Mark uses the title Son of Man very early here in his gospel. And this is the only place in Scripture where the Son of Man is associated with forgiveness. And here, by the use of this title, Son of Man, in verse 10, it testifies that Jesus' true divine nature as well as His true human nature. That indeed, He is the God-Man with absolute power, dominion, and authority over all including the authority, the authority to heal physically and even greater, the authority to heal by forgiveness. The favorite title of Jesus is Son of Man. And it's a title that I believe is associated and rooted in Daniel chapter 7. As Daniel gets a glimpse into the throne room of God, and in verses 13 through 14 we read, And I saw the night vision, and behold, with clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages sh- should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be Destroyed. The very kingdom that Jesus had inaugurated is this kingdom, this everlasting kingdom that was described way back in Daniel chapter 7 in Babylon. At this early stage in Jesus' ministry, his identity as a son of man is veiled and would be progressively revealed. And so, verse 10 really is Mark the fact. Not so much is is Mark asking here, but that you may know, but maybe a better interpretation is, know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He is that Son of Man that was prophesied in Daniel 7. As Jesus began in verse 1, preaching about himself as, as, as the Word incarnate from the Word of God, calling all to repent and to believe. So I call us today, know from the testimony of Scripture that the Son of Man has authority to forgive your sins on earth today. The one who has all authority has authority to heal our hearts. And make us whole. A broken person wants to be whole. True wholeness is being forgiven. Jesus, his identity, his work is no longer veiled, it's very clearly declared in Scripture. Hear the word preached about Jesus in the Bible. See your brokenness in need of Him. Turn to Him in repentance and in faith, and find His healing forgiveness that makes the broken sinner whole. Would you consider that today? Pippin Dickens' great expectations attained wealth, he attained the status of a gentleman, his great expectation took an unexpected turn. He actually lived a shallow, unfulfilling life. He said he went to London with the expectation of becoming a gentleman. But instead, he became a snob. G.K. Chesterton, Pip's great expectation was never truly realized. The great expectation of the paralytic and his friends took an unexpected turn. But what a turn. Jesus killed him to live a whole fulfilling life in praise to God. He went to Jesus and and was healed to walk on earth and found greater and deeper healing that he might walk with Jesus and eventually walk into the kingdom of God and into heaven itself. A greater expectation and healing was realized with this unexpected turn, this pronouncement that Jesus made on this man, forgiven Today, would you consider Jesus' unexpected pronouncement and by faith receive his forgiveness and find wholeness for he has the right and the power and the dominion to grant forgiveness because he made it possible on the cross. Broken people's greatest expectation is to be whole again and the only way to be whole again is that expectation of forgiveness being realized in Jesus who has authority to give. May we turn to Jesus in repentance and faith and be whole. Let us pray. Father, I pray that if there is one person here today, or whoever may be here today, that has never experienced the the healing power of Jesus' forgiveness. I pray, O oh Lord, that you might, like you did in that paralytic, work in their hearts. Work in their hearts to show them their brokenness. Work in their hearts to show them your saving offer. Work in their hearts to enable them to turn from their sin and repent and trust in Jesus and find forgiveness and wholeness. And Father, many of us here today have experienced and are experiencing forgiveness. But Father, we are broken still. We deal with brokenness every day in our hearts. We need To see that brokenness, we need to flee to you with that brokenness. We need your forgiveness daily, would you, Lord? Draw us to yourself and heal us with that glorious pronouncement that only you can make, son, daughter, you are forgiven on earth today.